0: Hello everyone and welcome to the final episode of this three-part series titled Islamic Impact So this episode in specific is titled Islamic and ESG Is there more uh, than what meets the eye? And um, so I hope this gives you a good introduction what I'm going to be talking about But this is, one of, this is the episode I was most excited about because um, the first episode, I just wanted to talk about different, uh, like introduce the topic, give you guys some examples on ETFs and Sharia-based ETFs and that whole industry in the whole world. Um, but when it comes down to analysis and just looking at it um, in uh, like a global perspective and like a wide view, um, you have so many different elements that come into play um, in um, in this market, you know. And this entire semester, we've been talking about uh, financial markets and gl- investment markets, and uh, Professor Shena has been great in the fact that everything had an ESG component to it. So, are these things sustainable? Um, or can you can you actually assess impact in fi- in public markets? Is that somewhere something you can do? Uh, we had great talks uh, with uh, Professor Kenneth Pucker, with. Uh, Tran who works in BlackRock, like debating these things. And I've learned a lot, uh, honestly, throughout the semester uh, in terms of an ESG lens of global investments and public investments in specific. Um, so what I found interesting when I was researching for this topic and for this podcast was that um, Islamic uh, compliant ETFs and just Islamic financing in specific um, they it shares a common theme with esg um metrics and esg the esg world in finance um and for me that was very striking um in in a lot of ways um so i'm just going to be sharing with you guys uh what i found okay uh and what i thought were the most interesting aspects of both like esg investing and islamic investing and kind of pairing them together to see how can they coexist in our world, in the investment world actually, um, and going forward from there. So I want to start off by, I honestly don't know where I want to start off because there's so much I could talk about. Um, But I'll just start off in general. So okay, maybe I'll start off with sharia, because that makes more sense. So I'm going to start off with sharia and I'm going to talk about the lack of standardization in both sharia and compliant, stocks or whatever methodology and with ESG. Um, So in ESG, you have a diversity of stock options without a known, clear, and common definition of what constitutes as ESG. The same thing goes with what's Sharia compliant. And I'm just going to start with the two ETFs I had. Uh, So the two ETFs I was talking about before, the, the one based from MSCI, I mean, iShares um, from BlackRock, but it is all about MSCI's methodology of Islamic screening and one based on Saturna Capital's methodology in Islamic screening uh, to include stocks in the ETF. Uh, one key difference is um, what constitutes as haram. So what can you include in this ETF? You know, um, So for Saturna Capital, what they said, they said we're not going to include alcohol, we're not going to include tobacco and t- most importantly, we're not gonna include any fossil fuels because fossil fuels constitute as haram. Comparing that to MSCI, MSCI said, you know what, we're gonna include fossil fuels, uh, and actually one of the biggest holders in that emerging market um, ETF from uh, iShares MSCI was Gazprom, the Russian uh, state uh, natural gas and oil company. So they said, we're gonna include uh, fossil fuels, but you know what, we're not gonna inclu- include anything related to music, cinemas, and TV shows. So nothing in that sort of thing will enter our portfolio because that's considered haram. And that just brings you to a whole different question and what is haram and what is halal and how do you pick and who is right? Um, And the answer is ambiguous. You would not know because there is no standard of saying what is haram, what is halal in specific things. There is a general consensus that things like alcohol, things like Pornography, things like um, pork, shouldn't be gambling, shouldn't be included, because that's known. But when you get into different sectors and when you get businesses that are so complex uh, and, uh, and work in multiple markets, constituting or, or like looking at what's haram or what's halal gets even more important. And that's when you get disagreement. And that's what we see here. Uh, similarly, uh, ESG strategies are different depending on the firm depending on the tilt, depending on uh, what you're looking for. So you can have ESG momentum stocks, you can have ETFs that are based on companies with um, strategies or with uh, policies that are pro-environment or pro-social or pro-governance or in any of that sort of light. And you could argue that, okay, while there might not be ESG today, um, or they might not rank high in metrics, uh, eventually they will. Um, And then you can have the total other opposite and now we want best in practice stocks. And these are stocks and companies that are 100% environmentally friendly, carbon tax, everything, everything goes back into the grid, ultimate diversity, you know, best in practice for all of these metrics. And those are the ones that are gonna be defined at ESG. Both are not wrong, both are labeled as ESG. And as long as the fund manager, sorry, my pen fell, as long as the fund manager can argue, that what they included constitutes as ESG pro or an in, in ESG stock, then they got money in the game. They can label it as such, because there's no standard. There's no one, there's not an SEC, there's not uh, an accounting uh, vulture, you know, looking for them, making sure that everything is right. There's no auditing. So you can do the same thing. And what's striking is that in both different markets, that ambiguity exists. So anything can be spun more so an ESG to reflect that ESG. But in the same way, anything can be spun to kind of be Sharia compliant. And another way you could see that is in financial metrics. So a huge, a huge, a very important way in screening for Sharia compliant stocks is using accounting methodologies, accounting ratios, um, like uh, leverage. So leverage, so in, in Sharia, you're not supposed to invest in a company that's highly leveraged. Uh, because they won't be able to pay back their debt, there's more risk in it, and you don't want to invest in something that's very risky. All of this makes sense. However, how do you determine what's high leverage? So if you ask Saturna Capital, they'll be like, okay, high leverage um, is greater than 33%. If you ask MSCI, they'll be like, yes, it's also 33%. But when you look at leverage, don't look total debt over total equity. You know, we're going to look at total debt over total assets. Why? They won't disclose why. Um, and that is kind of manipulation, in my opinion, because what if there's a company that has high leverage, but when you look at the debt to total assets, it goes down, and they can include it in that. You know what I mean? Um, they're easily paid around with. Um, another thing you could see is, so a common metric they use is uh, they look at accounts receivables. Okay, um, So what MSCI are like, okay, we don't want uh, companies that... Uh, Their accounts receivables and cash over total assets is greater than 33%. Saturn Capital say, okay, we only are gonna look at accounts receivables over total assets, and we don't want that to be greater than 45%. So this ambiguity, you could see already in screening processes, Um, and that reflects, maybe, this is just speculation, but that could reflect what a manager wants to include, or doesn't want to include in their portfolio. Something like MSCI, um, may, like l- comparing so many different uh, companies and having such a large pool of companies, they don't. They want to keep that exposure. They want to keep that diversity. If you have five hundred MSC uh, stocks in that index and you have a passive strategy, um, sorry, yeah, and you're adhering to a passive Islamic, broad Islamic, yeah, any world Sharia compliant uh, stocks, it wouldn't look good if that five pool of five hundred companies goes down to hundred companies. You know what I mean? So in that sense, they could play with that ambiguity in order to define what exactly is sharia-based and what exactly is, in the same time, ESG-based. So that comparison jawed me uh, to explore more about um, the different ways in that uh, they're similar. Um, so another thing that I came across from um, was this quote um, by Scientific Beta, so it's an, intake, it's an index provider, um, and it's linked to a French think tank. And they comment on um, the root of outperformance um, in ESG uh, investments. And they claim, this is a quote, uh, ESG strategies perform like simple quality strategies, uh, mechanisms constructed from accounting ratios. So when you look at that quote, and you compare it to what I just said about screening in Sharia-based, uh, Sharia compliant stocks—they're largely based on accounting ratios—and um, you can see that comparison there. Uh, you could also see the focus on quality, both uh, Sharia compliant stocks and ESG. Uh, f- yeah, any favorite uh, investment vehicles, at least, market this idea of quality—that if you invest in something that's ESG or high ranks high in ESG metrics, or that's sustainable. Um, you get a product or you get a company that is operating at a really high quality. Quality in the goods they provide, quality in the service they provide, quality in the due diligence they do, uh, maybe when taking out debt, um, it's top quality. Same thing with Sharia-based uh, financing, and even, even sorry, Sharia-based um, based um, financing structures or instruments. Um, even that actively managed ETF I was talking to you about earlier, um, right next to where they said Sharia compliant, they also said ESG. And that is mainly because ESG is a buzzword. Uh, speaking about how it's a buzzword, um, so one of the people I really admire in this space um, of, of like just commenting on ESG, and this is credit to Professor Shannon who gave me the article, uh, but um, Kenneth uh, Pucker, who was the former CEO of Timberland, he's also a Fletcher professor, Uh, bless his soul, (laughs) but he says that one in three dollars today are invested in ESG. And all I see in this is a marketing scheme, because as we've learned and as we've seen, there's so many ways that can constitute ESG. Um, So you can have financial screens, you can have negative screens. I'm not going to include oil stocks. I'm not going to include all of these stocks uh, for specific reasons. And then you can have, and it goes like from a uh, a spectrum, yeah, spectrum, from negative screens to uh, best in practice and investing in companies in order to um, to gain um, majority of equity in that company so that they can have a voice and influence, the board of directors influence activities. Um, and why am I drawing this comparison in like one and three dollars uh, are ESG stocks? Um, it's just to highlight in the same time the potential for Shari'a compliant or Shari'a based or that word as Shari'a the potential for it to also be used as a marketing scheme um, or a marketing tool for Islamic finance, Islamic banking institutions Uh, so a PDWC report uh, states that 25% of the world are Muslims and less than 1% of financial assets are Shari'a compliant okay Um, so that just shows the great amount of market or like available market uh, opportunity that sharia compliant stocks could have um, with this amount of ambiguity you could see how it affects the esg market today and looking at the perspective of a financial institution um, looking to maximize profit yeah we're in a capital system everyone's looking to maximize profit there's such a huge opportunity in islamic financing and Islamic banking, Islamic banks to adopt uh, strategies that are Sharia compliant, mainly, as we've seen in the past year, uh, exchange-traded funds, either actively managed or passively managed and labeling it as Sharia. You know why? Because um, of the due diligence um, that goes along with it. And what I mean by due diligence, I mean, like, if we're advertising a Sharia-based um financial instrument, you're going to have a support from uh, uh, a Sharia board of directors that have to be in place to approve on every single like uh, Equity that goes into it. You're gonna to have to have an auditor that audits it quarterly or at least semi-annually uh, On the stocks that are available uh, and then you're going to have to purify uh, part of the, the, the um, Sorry the cash flow that is haram So, with all of these different things at play, a financial institution can point to them as ways that they're authenticating that the instrument that they're selling is in fact Sharia. Um, And as we've seen through MSCI and Satan al they both have used that to their advantage in advertising these products. Another opportunity for Islamic finance or Islamic banks is to target uh, sovereign wealth funds. So there's a lot of sovereign wealth funds that are based in the Middle East. And instead of them investing in regular equities or whatever they invest in, honestly, not most of them disclose uh, what they invest in. But instead of targeting those, um, you could target uh, and you could create these products that are Islamic uh, or the Sharia compliant so that these sovereign wealth funds can invest in them. Or if you are part of a sovereign wealth fund, you can create these. Um, This is more maybe than what sovereign wealth funds do, but you could create these um, ETFs and you could sell it to other people. You could like not directly maybe in a subsidiary, but that would be something of interest for sovereign wealth funds with large capital uh, available, large assets um, available um, to basically um, get into that market, especially because they have the local heritage of being in a Muslim uh, country. And at the same time, these Islamic banks and these Islamic, um, um, yeah, institutions can charge a premium simply for making it uh, Islamic uh, or Sharia compliant. The same way that you see large ETFs um, created by companies like BlackRock charge a higher premium on things that are labeled DSG, and just because it's labeled DSG, it's more attractive to the market. Uh, so you can charge higher, and you can gain alpha for for the bank, you know. Um, so yeah, like that's a huge opportunity for the Islamic banks and the Islamic world to capitalize on. Um, and that just shows like the, the and just that comparison allows you to see where Sharia compliant um, ETFs in specific, but Sharia compliant equities or assets or anything labeled Sharia compliant where they can grow if they were targeted to the right people. And while most Muslims um, live in Asia, so Malaysia, Indonesia, the Middle East, there are also a lot of Muslims that live in the U.S. with, this is all according to the PwC report, it's not like me talking, but with high um, disposable income. And they could um, generate large capital inflows into Sharia-compliant ETFs, potentially um, based in the US, based in Europe, based wherever they are. And with more people you get in Asia that are interested in it, the more you can have cash flow coming in, the more as a bank you'd be more well-known and you'd have more exposure. As a leader in the sector that has been underutilized and is not really as big as it could be, being that 25% of the world are Muslims and are probably looking or will be um, open to hearing about these products. So speaking about large capital inflows, I wanted to take a second um, to reference this article. It's titled Linking ESG Investing to Planetary Impact. It was shared by Professor Shenner from the many, many <laughs> different readings he gave us this year. And it's written by a professor at uh, Tuft, at Fletcher, um, Professor Kenneth Pucker, I don't know if I mentioned him earlier, but he was the former CEO of uh, Timberland. And he basically talks about um, BlackRock and their introduction of this uh, U.S. carbon transition uh, readiness ETF, which is the largest uh, exchange traded fund in history. It has raised, uh, at, when at the time it was announced, $1.25 uh, billion, dollars, um, and people investing in this ETF, and it, so its promise is to, uh, to not be a passive observer when it comes to combating climate change. And by not being a passive observer, they have created this ETF for all of us to invest in so that we can feel good on our impact. Um, and the fact that it was labeled as ESG has led to them being able to charge a higher fee uh, for maintaining this ETF and um yeah so that, that's just a synopsis of what this thing is um and i just want to talk about how we can compare this this etf with the potential this doesn't exist yet but like what if a similar one came out uh that promised to be a leader in sharia uh, based financing and it will highlight all of the companies in the world that are sharia compliant so that you Potential investors who are in, interested in Sharia or are Muslims and want to invest in things that you think um, complies with your religion. Uh, what if you could invest in the top top companies in that in that way? You know, so why not use BlackRock? Great example. Why not use why not why not why not use BlackRock as our poster child? Okay, um, and I just wanted to compare. So if you look at the holdings. So I wanna look at the holdings of this ETF, okay? So what you see is, um, one second, I'm just pulling, yes. So what you see is positions in Apple, Berkshire Hathaway, Coca-Cola, Walt Disney, Exxon Mobil, Chevron, uh, and JP Morgan Chase, among others, okay? And do these companies, are they positively affecting the world? Are the ESG stocks? Um, Do these companies embody not taking a passive strategy and focusing on climate change and climate readiness? Uh, BlackRock would say yes. The $1.25 billion coming from whoever invested in it. So those people, if asked, um, they would probably say yes because it came from BlackRock, but would they actually know? I don't know. Um, What uh, Professor Kenneth Bucker says is no. What I say is no. And like just simple, simple, simple um, analysis on these stocks or these companies. You have J.P. Morgan, which is the largest back financer of fossil fuels. So how is that going to achieve climate readiness? I have no idea. You have Coca-Cola that are one of the largest polluters of PET plastics in the world. You have um, Exxon Mobil. You have Chevron. Those two speak for themselves. Um, So you have all of these companies that are included in this Um, ESG-related ETF that don't really derive their products from impact. They're not best in practices. They might achieve some screening, but BlackRock are able to um, charge a higher fee for having them in. And these companies generate alpha more than they generate uh, impact. And that's the harsh reality of it. And like another, like when I went to a talk with uh, Professor Pucker, Professor Pucker, he claims that most ESG-linked stocks sadly, have been tech stocks. And as we see with ARK ETF, like the actively managed ETF, tech stocks have been on the rise for the past four or five years. Um, and those are the ones that are generating alpha, uh, not necessarily impact. Um, so you, can, you see this ambiguity play today in these markets with people who aren't as aware of what these companies are doing, aren't as aware and in what's included in an ETF, like what are the basket of goods or basket of equities that are included in the ETFs, even though they, I'm not saying they're not transparent, they are transparent, but the average person or the average uh, institutional investor might not care as much as if the actual fund is, uh, or yeah, if the actual fund is making an impact. Maybe they care more that it looks like it does, or the name points as it does, or you have something like BlackRock promoting it like it does, and maybe that satisfies um, that that, uh, need. Uh, Similarly, Um, I just looked at the holdings in the the Sharia-based, Sharia-compliant emerging markets, MSCI, sorry, ETF. The ISHA is one, also by BlackRock, uh, but uh, it's a a passive investment. So, yeah. Um, And one of the biggest holdings is Gazprom. Uh, Gazprom, for those who doesn't know, uh, it's a uh, Russian-backed, oh, sorry, the Russian state oil and natural gas company. Um, They have been not shy of corruption scandals they have been interfering with natural gas prices um, causing an inflation in the or causing prices to go up really highly this year uh, they have been threatening the EU with shortages of that prices like they have been they've been <laughs> conducting activities that an average person or for me coming from as a Muslim any yani the average Muslim wouldn't really say is halal. However, they're included, and they've passed the screen that MSCI have um, used, and they're included in the emerging markets Islamic uh, MSCI uh, index. Um, and they're one of the top five um, top holdings in that. So it just, like that comparison was just very also, like I've I've seen that, I, I just noticed that comparison as well. Um, and to be honest, like I'm talking and now I'm talking as a perspective of someone who's gonna maybe buy the CTF and wants to see positive impact. But looking at it in a financial angle, as a financial institution, you have an opportunity here to charge higher fees on, um, on labeling, on something that's, um, that's very enticing, you know. You can label your instruments in an enticing way to generate uh, fees and generate uh, revenue, and that's how, like, these banks make money. Um, so, again, um, it's interesting to look at the different aspects of Sharia-compliant uh, or what goes into may being Sharia and what goes into not being Sharia and comparing it to look at what goes into being uh, ESG or pro-ESG and not ESG. Um, and those two similarities, yeah, and it, it it really, really, really opens up space for Sharia-based financing and Sharia-titled instruments to grow uh, within the coming years, especially when we saw how gr- how easily it was and how fast ESG-based finance, uh, sorry, ESG-marketed uh, or labeled stocks have been growing. Um, and I'm excited to see what happens. I, I genuinely, genuinely hope that financial institutions start uh, preaching, I mean, sorry, start practicing what they preach in terms of playing an active role in um, in mitigating climate change and those impacts and actually being a positive enforcer uh, of social good in the world. Uh, and I really, truly hope that if Sharia compliant stocks and Sharia compliant ETFs start skyrocketing, skyrocketing, I hope it's done in a way that stays true to its essence. At least, um, so we have something in Islam uh, that's called uh, like in, uh, it's like in it's like you, you basically Everything you do is based on your hidden like purpose, your intention. Your intention is key. I'm. Ju- I hope that if Sharia-based financing does um, accelerate, I hope that the intentions of those that release these products are good and are are the, are are now right. Like you know, and they they truly are there just to comply with Sharia-based. Um, sorry Sharia based uh, equities because with that you could really have positive change in the world. Uh, and similarly, I hope these financial institutions, these asset own not the asset managers that are so fixated with the fees, I hope I hope I hope their intention uh, changes and shifts to having uh, um, a positive impact in the world in the way they can, you know because they have money moves things. and this area of finance, is particularly interesting to me because I'm not interested in other areas of finance that are like securitization and all of these things where you trick people and you get money. Like, I really don't think it's ethical for most of the financing world. However, I feel like this this area of finance specifically has potential to do so much good um, in subtle ways and in, in not subtle ways. Um, and I hope it grows into that. And uh, I, I'm, I'm predicting what's the date? December 18 2021 I'm predicting a rise in uh, in growth of sharia compliant stocks and that will also fuel a positive impact if the institutions that market it and institutions that um, that um, I, I lost my train of thought but if these institutions if these institutions um, actually inject cash flow and cash into Companies, publicly traded companies that can do well and do good and change the world positively. So, with that, with that, with that, thank you very much for listening to me. For this is, we're entering the thirtieth minutes of this episode. So, thirty minutes plus the twenty minutes plus twenty minutes, 50 fifty, twenty, thirty, about an hour. Thank you, thank you. I've enjoyed this project. I've enjoyed uh, this is specifically for Professor Shana. I've enjoyed. Being in your class, I've learned so much, so, so, so much more than you think. uh, And I really, really, it's a pleasure. It's honestly a pleasure to be um, a student of yours. Um, So thank you so much. I'll stick around. I'll see you next semester. Um, Yeah, I just thank you for a wonderful semester. I truly, truly, truly have, uh, coming out of Bentley, I don't think I had hope with the financial markets and all of these things. Like I just thought of power hungry. Uh, money-fueled people but honestly you gave me hope that with an ESG lens uh, maybe in private markets more but hopefully in public markets as well like people are actually there for good people can actually you can actually do change you know sovereign wealth funds. you always talk about it you can always do you can do change Uh, especially that's that's why I entered finance in general Um, I'm done with my project professor I'm just talking now Um, but yeah I entered finance in specific because um, money moves things and money has the potential to like make actual change and financial institutions being holders of that cash have an enormous role to play. So I genuinely think being and understanding this market and like this this trade, you know, like uh, finance and how to manipulate it and how to work in it um, can really lead to a lot of good um, and in a much, much faster pace than other uh, areas, you know. So I feel like Your class taught me that it truly exists and I hope to work in something like that and I can just do good. So thank you again, thank you again for a wonderful semester. Honestly changed my perception on um, this whole like major, this whole um, area. And uh, I hope you enjoy your Christmas break if you hear this before Christmas. Uh, If you don't hear this before Christmas and it's 2022, Happy New Year. And uh, I am done talking, Uh, I've talked so much today. (laughs) thank you professor again I keep saying this but really truly thank you good night